Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 15 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. And I thought at some point we would get to, like, I was shooting for after Memorial Day, where we would get to the beginning of the summer, traffic would lessen a little bit things would kind of slow down and we'd fall into this kind of summer slower rhythm we get to august where everybody says august is always slow in washington because so many people are out of town and yet friday 3 30 in the afternoon before memorial day three executive orders come out from the white house that have directly to do with three important elements of the workforce which is these executive orders, I, some of my friends who are in the reporting business, this is the bane of their existence. Because there they are, it's the Friday before Memorial Day, and now all of a sudden they have stories to write. But there's, you pointed out before we started, some very important things about what came out in these executive orders. Uh, what did you read there uh, that you thought was really significant, Robert? Well, first of all, I've been working in Washington going on 25 years and I've been waiting for a moment of calm that entire time. <laughs> Everybody, like you, keeps saying it's coming, but I don't think that's the case. It's been uh, some form of chaos constantly since I've been here. It's just the nature of the town. So it's the M.O. of an administration to try to bury a story by uh, releasing controversial items late on a Friday. And they did. They waited till around 3.30 to post what they knew were going to be unpopular. But there's almost consensus in the town, this town that uh, it's too hard to hold poor performers accountable. Um, it's too hard to reward high performers. Uh, collective bargaining agreements tend to get agency management wrapped around the axle and unable to take steps they think they need to to improve performance. So to the extent these executive orders were designed to address those long-standing challenges, I applaud the administration for taking those actions. Uh, Eric Wagner, a government executive, writes, The first order, as described by a senior administration official speaking on background, would reduce the time it takes to fire poor performers and employees suspected of misconduct. The uh, Another executive order significantly curbs employees who are union representatives from using official time. And the last order directs agencies to renegotiate collective bargaining agreements with federal unions and to ensure that process concludes within a year. That one, it seems to me, is an outgrowth of what we've seen recently at the Education Department, where that process apparently went on for a long, long time. The Education Department says that they couldn't get any um, give or any response even out of the union. The union says the Education Department management didn't want to listen to us, and the Education Department essentially said, this is the agreement, and this is what we're going to abide by moving forward. Sounds like that's what the administration is headed for, maybe a, across other agencies. Yeah, I'm not sure that that logjam exists in a lot of other places, but to the extent this gives agency management and employees the opportunity to rewrite the rules, modernize the rules about how they're going to deal with each other, I think is a good thing. What does a modernized relationship, in your view, look like between labor, organized labor, and management in the federal government? And how does that differ from the traditional model in government? And how does that differ from the private sector model? I, I think there are 
models of a good relationship in both the private and public sectors, and there are models of poor relationships in both as well. But I think the model should be one that is based on an assumption of positive intent. I don't think management generally wants to abuse employees. Um, and if they try, there are avenues employees can take to um, object and fight those things. I don't think employees um, want to take advantage of the taxpayer uh, or perform poorly intentionally, uh, but the agency management should have avenues to uh, control for that as well. So basically one that uh, a constructive working relationship that assumes each side has the best interests of the agency and the taxpayers at heart. My concern with these is, I guess not specifically with these, you mentioned earlier in our conversation that a lot of attention has been paid to uh, holding poor performers accountable and to recognizing uh, good performers. There's nothing here in any of these executive orders about good performers, and we haven't seen much meat on the bones about what the administration wants to do to recognize that uh, those good performers and reward them. And I wonder if there's not a missed opportunity here to do that. And this kind of follows on to what we saw at a hearing a couple of weeks ago. Margaret Weikert and Jeff Pond, the uh, deputy director for management at uh, OMB and the new OPM director, respectively, uh, were in front of the House Oversight Government Reform Committee talking about the workforce of the 21st century. And there was a passing mention of rewarding good performers, but all of the performance questions and answers, testimony, all focused on how to get rid of people not on how to recognize the good people. And I, I'm not sure that it's productive to move forward without talking about both, not equally necessarily, but at least talking about both of them. Right now they're not talking about both. Well, I, I'm not sure it's true they're not talking about it. It's not getting a lot of attention. and Maybe not, they're not talking about it enough, but the president's budget did – uh, or the president's management agenda did mention a performance fund, which could be used to reward higher performers outside of the general schedule system. But it didn't talk about what the construct was for that. No, and I think we do have to put meat on those bones. You're generally going to, you know, you're in the news business, right? Do you, do you write about the good news that's happening or the things that are more controversial? Well, I, I like to think that the place that I and some of my colleagues occupy in this space is such that we would report on a billion dollars if there were an opportunity to explain to people how they were going to be able to get a piece of it. Okay. And right now, we don't know how they're going to be able to get a piece of it. Okay, I'll grant you that more attention could be spent here. I think the proclivity, uh, not only among the people who are selling it, but also the people who are fighting it, is to focus on the negative and not the positive. Well, and to be fair, the, a lot of that, uh, a lot of the dialogue at that hearing was driven by the questions that were coming from the members. So the, there's blame, I think, to be assigned to the members of that committee um, for not wanting more information about how do we reward good performers in the government. And that's on both sides. I don't recall a question from a, a Democratic nor a Republican member about how are we going to uh, reward good performers in government. This is an election year. Federal employees reside in every congressional district in the country. And so if you're going to 
drive reform to the federal civil service system, you got to line up your allies. In a hearing like that, you need to have a game plan for um, who's going to be there to advocate for you and drive stuff through. Mm. Best example of this is Tom Davis, former uh, member of Congress from Northern Virginia, chairman of the House Committee on Government Reform and Oversight. He cared about reform, knew it was controversial, but collaborated with the administration to drive reform through. Uh, if that's not there, statutory reform at least is going to be hard to come by. You might even get people uh, uh, with legislation to um, peel back some of the reforms that the administration is trying to accomplish through executive order today. The transparency piece of one of these executive orders, I think, is interesting. This is, again, from Eric Wagner's story in GovExec. The last order also orders OPM to develop a labor relations working group to analyze collective bargaining agreements for what the administration described as wasteful provisions, and it requires that CBAs be published in a centralized public database for public scrutiny. I didn't know they weren't now. Um, I'm not surprised that it probably would take a little bit of work if I decided all of a sudden I wanted to see what the CBA was between some union and some agency. Um, what do you think the point of that is? What's the goal of that? Um, transparency. I think there must be glaring inconsistencies among the collective bargaining agreements in place across government. Uh, there are provisions in collective bargaining agreements today that would alarm the public. So bringing greater tra transparency around them is going to likely diminish those. That's, that's, I guess, the theory that sunlight's the best disinfectant. And if you shine a light on those things, they will disappear eventually. Can the average person just see a CBA? Is yes. there a place I can find them? You can't find them all centrally, but uh, generally those that are in place are available on agency websites. I've never looked is the reason that I ask. I may be derelict in my duty all these years, having not tried to seek them out. But and that's I'm not something disappointed. I've ever done. You haven't Googled collective bargaining agreements of federal agencies in place today. I I respect the fact that I probably disappoint you on an ongoing basis, but that's rare. The, it's rare that's life, and as we know it. Uh, okay. the The other element, uh, the other item that I think is important to follow through what I thought would be this summer lull is uh, that between National Defense Authorization Act, the appropriations process at various agencies, and so on, uh, there's a, a little bit more than uh, heavy lifting going on as far as some of these authorizing and appropriating functions go. Yep. Defense authorization is making its way through Congress. Appropriations bills are being uh, voted on. I don't expect regular order to descend on us, but we do see progress being made. Republicans and Democrats appear to have agreed they would like to see bills go through before the election, which would be a miracle. That would be amazing. Um, again, I, I, I see um, continuing resolutions and potential shutdowns in my future. No? Really? Uh, I really do. I do. Uh, but, you know, President said that he wouldn't sign another bill like the one he signed this year. The Congress is working on just that type of bill. So do um, we need a Fed heads shutdown countdown clock? I do think that'd be a great with idea. With our with that logo with our faces on it. That's that right. would be great. Yeah. We could give those away. We should yeah. get those like watches. What does a shutdown give them away. clock look like if we're a weekly podcast? 
Well, it, it would be for the listeners huh. so yeah. that all seven of them would have something that they could look at and they could wear them like watches. A public service. And our faces would be on it and it would also have a little countdown oh, thing on it. Brilliant. Brilliant. How Done. About, Done. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, yeah. I have ideas like this all the time and, and I just have never had a place to put them before. Uh, so, I'm, like, tear to my, I'm wiping a tear from my eyes. God bless Fedheads because I don't know what I would have done with that if it wouldn't have been Fedhead. <laughs> Um, you really think we're going to have another shutdown, or it's uh, possible? I, it's possible. It's possible. Oh, dear. I don't know what else to say to that. Yeah. Um, all right. And then the final thing that I, I wanted to try to pay a little bit of attention to over this summer is um, it appears that sometime in the coming weeks we could get more meat on the bones on the reorganization plans that agencies were to have submitted uh, and that we thought we would be getting when the budget came out. We didn't. Um, but the budget did give some clues as to where some agencies were headed, didn't it? Yes, it did. I mean, um, uh, more importantly, the budget, uh, well, with the budget came agency strategic plans, and those strategic plans were premised on some reorganization. So uh, I do anticipate, you know, it's funny, the executive order set high expectations, nothing has come, so those expectations have lowered. It's kind of brilliant. Now, if what comes out is actually modest, you've exceeded the latest expectations. So that could be great. No, I do I do expect some reforms to be announced, proposed. They've got a very short window in which to get those enacted. So unless they don't require statutory authorization, I'm skeptical whether they'll be enacted. There's one other dynamic I want to mention before we finish, and we're almost out of time, but that is this. I have spoken now in the past two weeks to four former Obama administration officials who are predisposed to not thinking very highly of the current administration ideologically, policy-wise, who have said, and on their own, no, I haven't been ginning them up. This is something that they've said on their own. Hey, this, fill in the blank, presence management agenda, uh, so on. Um, is really good. And it's a shame that the work that's happening maybe a level or two or three below the very top is being blotted out by some of the noise um, that is blotting out some of the good management work that's going on in government. I think that's a shame. It, it is. You know, uh, Environmental Protection Agency issued uh, a regulation that looked like it limited the amount of information that could be shared on how the agency regulates. And in fact, it was a, a longstanding um, interest uh, of the agency and its stakeholders to be more transparent, to be more uh, data focused, to ensure more rigor in the kinds of studies that it did. Um, and in that case, the noise uh, uh, drowned out the actual intent, positive intent of that initiative. Here, you don't have a lot of negative rhetoric around these initiatives. And I think that is um, the waves that exist on top of the water are uh, disguising the calm underneath. A lot of good is getting done, and we ought to celebrate it, but not too loudly, lest it get wrapped up in all of the noise that's where we'll leave it for this edition of fed heads robert it's great to talk to you as always my friend Thank great you. to be with you francis we talked uh, we covered a lot of ground 
And thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.